All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN is on number. Day 46, Americans, their families, thousands of green card holders, people legally eligible to be in this country, and, of course, our Afghan allies, 46 days abandoned, and there's no plan in place to try to rescue any of them. Any private efforts are being met with fierce resistance, even apparently, according to one article I read, an FBI investigation. Why? I don't know. We're talking about the people that I know that are behind enemy lines trying to save Americans. Uh, they're heroes like retired Navy SEALs and special ops retired there trying to save our fellow Americans that Joe abandoned. Uh, There's a particularly powerful moment yesterday with Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas asking General Milley why he has not resigned over this disaster of a withdrawal. Uh, let's play it. General Milley, I can only conclude that your advice about staying in Afghanistan was rejected. I'm shocked to learn that your advice wasn't sought until August 25th on staying past the August 31 deadline. I understand that you're the principal military advisor, that you advise, you don't decide, the president decides. But if all this is true, General Milley, why haven't you resigned? Senator, as a senior military officer, um, Resigning is a really serious thing. It's a political act if I'm resigning in protest. My job is to provide advice. My statutory responsibility is to provide legal advice or best military advice to the president. And that's my legal requirement. That's what the law is. Um, the president doesn't have to agree with that advice. He doesn't have to make those decisions uh, just because we're generals. All right, that was from yesterday, and on top of all of that, what else did we learn? We know that the acting defense secretary at the time, uh, Miller, said that he did not authorize Milley uh, to make the China calls and said he should resign. And then Milley yesterday even admitting and going as far as saying, Yo, well, you'll hear all the chatter, you'll, you'll hear it all, um, and, and heck, I'll call you myself if we're going to attack you. Okay, that alone is a fireable offense. Anyway, Senator Tom Cotton is with us uh, from the great state of Arkansas. Senator, great to have you. You were fantastic yesterday. I think you and Josh Hawley and Marsha Blackburn were, were some of the heroes that came out of yesterday. Well, thank you, Sean. Uh, I think it's clear after yesterday that Joe Biden lied and Americans died as a result. And, and I got to say, Sean, since it didn't happen in public, it wasn't just those three generals yesterday. A couple of weeks ago, we also heard testimony from General Scott Miller, who was our final commander on the ground in Afghanistan. Scott Miller is a legend in the special operations community. He commanded Delta Force. He commanded JSOC. He has spent almost half of the 20 years of war in Afghanistan on the ground in Afghanistan. Scott Miller also testified that he recommended that the president keep the president keep a small force in Afghanistan to hold the status quo in place. So General Miller, General McKenzie, General Milley, Secretary Austin all made identical or almost identical recommendations. Joe Biden rejected them all. Now, back in April and May, he was swaggering around Washington, and his senior aides were telling everyone how Joe Biden had stood up to the military, and he didn't get rolled the way Barack Obama did back in 2009. And this is what happens when you get a wise, old, experienced president like Joe Biden. But in August, when George Stephanopoulos asked him, after everything had already gone to hell in a handbasket, he lied to the American people. He said, no one told me that. First I've ever heard of it. Everyone agreed with me. But he also um, lied when he said he wouldn't abandon Americans either. That's that was right. 13 that, days and before he abandoned. And that's exactly right. Them. 
And let, let me point out another thing that came to light yesterday from Secretary Austin and General Milley. Joe Biden has repeatedly said, as did some of those Democrats yesterday, well, it was the unanimous recommendation of the Joint Chiefs that we adhere to the August 31 deadline. They testified that the White House didn't even seek their opinion until August 25th. Sean, Kabul fell on August 15th. Don't you think that those Joint Chiefs maybe in whole, at least in part, would have recommended something different if they had had that question put to them on August 15th and not on August 25th? Or or maybe, Sean, what if someone had asked them the question a month earlier when Joe Biden was out saying that at his press conference that no one envisions you know, a rapid collapse of the governments or a collapse of Kabul, when, in fact, Scott Miller also testified that as he was leaving Afghanistan, forced to leave, earlier that week by Joe Biden's withdrawal, that things would go downhill very rapidly and would get very bad very fast. Repeatedly, they testified true, yesterday. Unfortunately. It's all yeah, they, true. And they even testified yesterday, Sean, as well, as well, that the military began to lay out evacuation plans as early as April and May, immediately after Joe Biden made his fateful decision. Now, the military is not responsible for non-combatant evacuation operations. That decision rests with the State Department, which is run by Joe Biden's longtime aide, Tony Blinken. And we heard yesterday that even when the military began to say, hey, guys, you know, things are going downhill pretty badly here in July or June or May, maybe we should start thinking about an evacuation. They were repeatedly told by the State Department and the White House, no. So we had time to get all Americans out and green card holders and their families and the vast majority, the vast majority of the approved and vetted special immigrant visa holders well before August. And they wouldn't do it because they didn't want Joe Biden's decision to look like the catastrophe that it became clear to the world in August. Senator, I won't assume that you ever watch my TV show. I hope you do. You're a great guest when you're on. Uh, But I've made a a very, we, we built out a very powerful map. And the map gives a timeline. And the timeline is the Taliban on the march and how they started in southern Afghanistan and how much territory, geographical areas, they were the, the, the provinces that they were taken over in March, the month of March, in the month of April and May and June and July. And by July, it was, I think, 50 to 60 percent of the country was in control of the Taliban. And they made their march straight to Kabul. Now, it was it became inevitable as early as April that they were on the march. Now, there were two things, two options available to the commander-in-chief. One would have been to use successful drone strikes to push them back and stop their march to Kabul. Uh, The second thing that they could have done, you addressed, and that is that they were told by the military repeatedly and by the intelligence community, and my sources have confirmed Numerous sources have confirmed the CIA pulled out seven weeks prior to the fall of Kabul. That speaks volumes. I am told we did not have any intelligence failure, and there was no failure in military intelligence and people on the ground. They knew the Afghan army that Joe was bragging about as late as July as some of the best trained, uh, one of the best trained militaries in the world, and they even have an air force. None of that was true because they were collapsing all the way, all throughout the the entire country and the Taliban was rolling over them with, you know, little to no effort. So there's no excuse, is there? 
No, there's no excuse, Sean. And I can tell you, because I sit on the Intelligence Committee, and I see this intelligence, and I saw it throughout the course of the year, there was not an intelligence failure about the Taliban's rapid seizure of all 34 provinces. Now, did the intelligence agency say it's going to happen on the morning of August 15th? No, of course they didn't. That's not the way intelligence works. But I can tell you, starting at the beginning of the year and through July into August, the trend was highly, highly negative. Every assessment that the intelligence community gave shortened the time frame in which the Afghan government and the Afghan security forces could fight and stand up to the Taliban. And that was manifestly clear in the first week of July when Joe Biden went out at that press conference and said that is highly unlikely that you would see a rapid collapse of the security forces or the Afghan government. So that if we would have released, clear. if we picked, say, the presidential daily briefings from April, May, June, and July, and intelligence briefings that were given to the president, and we were to make them public, the message to the American people would be very clear that they all did their job. They made a proper assessment of what was happening on the ground. That's why the CIA pulled their people out seven weeks earlier. CIA didn't leave for no reason. They left because they saw it was coming. And they were, they were communicating that. I've been assured by numerous sources that they were there was no ambiguity here. They were very clear in saying what was going on on the ground. Now yeah. the question is, why didn't Blinken act? Why didn't the Defense Secretary act? Why didn't the Chairman of the Joint, Chief, Joint Chiefs act? Why didn't they listen to somebody like General Scott Miller, who was on the ground for 10 years there? Um, and the answer is now, what do we do about the Americans that they abandoned? What do we yeah. do now? Because so, they, say, they say, by the way, that they have all the leverage. I don't see that they have any leverage. Yeah, there, no leverage whatsoever. We don't even have a official presence in Afghanistan. No, all, all of that intelligence would reveal that anyone paying attention to it knew the situation was deteriorating in Afghanistan rapidly, and that President Biden and Tony Blinken had taken no steps to try to stabilize the situation. As he announced a withdrawal, as the withdrawal continued, as they forced the closure of Bagram Air Base, and then in the final days. Um, and all those people who were there, many of them, Sean, I can tell you, as you probably know as well, they were in Afghanistan on August 15th in no small part because of Joe Biden's assurances. Many of these people are Afghan Americans. They've long been citizens of the United States, but they still have family there, and they go visit their family in Afghanistan, the same reason that we go visit our family on the other side of Arkansas to introduce a new grandchild or to care for a sick parent or to attend a family funeral. And so many people who contacted my office last month said, well, I, I had tickets to fly out on August 20th or August 28th or September 2nd, in part because our government assured them that Kabul would still be in the hands of the government and the airport would be open and commercial flights would be leaving. They made their plans based on those assurances, and they're stuck there now because of what Joe Biden said. And what is and your is best no estimate? Do, do we, and remember, yesterday it actually came out in your hearing that there, at one point, oh, there may be as many as 4,000 Americans there. I just don't know. But we think it's less than 100. Now, I've heard estimates from 100 to 300 to 500. If you include family members, well over 1,000. Do you have any earthly idea how many people, how many Americans we did abandon? We know that Blinken admitted thousands of people with green cards. We know we left a lot of our Afghan allies behind. Do you have any earthly idea how many Americans we abandoned? 
Now, so when you include the special immigrant visa approved and vetted Afghans and their families, there's no question it's in the thousands. I think it's it's got to be more than 100 right now, Sean. I mean, they've been saying 100 for several days. Just a few days ago, we had one of these uh, private charter flights leave with more than 200 American citizens. How do you have more than 200 American citizens on a flight if there's supposedly fewer than 100? Okay, now my flights? next question. Why would the State Department say... If you have a chartered flight, that's fine, but don't, you're not allowed to land in the United States of America. That was point one. Point two is if you get a third-party country that will accept your charter aircraft and allow you to land, uh, that's fine. But if they do need our, our permission and need our approval, it will not be forthcoming. Can you explain that to me? I cannot explain it, Sean, and I, I've heard stories like that on multiple occasions since our uh, presence ended on August 30th. You have generous philanthropists. You have teams of old battle buddies reuniting. Uh, well, you have, well, well uh, why is the FBI investigating so, them? Did you read that? <clears throat> I did. You, no, you brought that to my attention yesterday, and we're trying to get to the bottom of it. But to, to answer the first question is that I, I think the State Department and the White House, they don't want to be embarrassed and proven liars once again by allowing charters with hundreds of American citizens to come out. Oh, so but rather than admit your mistake and, and be grateful that there are people that step up to fix the mess you created, that their egos too involved in this and they'd rather americans stay caught behind enemy lines with terrorists rather than giving credit to other people for doing the job they should have done is that it and that's it and and trust that their friends in the media will turn the page and start focusing on how they're about to spend six trillion dollars to transform america and then all this business about afghanistan will soon be gone and forgotten all right, quick break. More with uh, Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton on the other side. 800-941-SEAN, our number. We'll get to your calls at the bottom of this half hour. As we continue with Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton is with us. Last question. Is this idiotic, uh, you know, $3.5 trillion debacle, New Green Deal, going to pass in the Senate? <laughs> I'd say that the, the Democrats are in disarray, Sean, but that would, I don't want to concede that they were ever in array. Um, the reason why they're not finding the votes for it in the House or the Senate right now is they've begun to see the writing on the wall that that bill is massively unpopular. What do they expect with the largest tax hike in history and trying to implement the Green New Deal? and give Will Republicans well, stay firm and not raise the debt ceiling? That's my question. Oh. There is zero chance that Republicans will supply the votes to Democrats to raise the debt. Even Mitt Romney, even uh, Lisa Murkowski? They've all stated that as well. If the Democrats want to spend $7 trillion on a party-line basis, then the Democrats can raise the debt ceiling to accommodate that spending on a party line. All by themselves. They don't need one Republican. Okay. Senator, you've been remarkable, and I, I need to point out, too, to this audience that I know for a fact your office has been responsible and helping to evacuate our fellow Americans uh, without any help from the Biden administration or the State Department or anybody. And I know you're still working on on rescuing Americans that are trapped behind enemy lines, and I thank you for your efforts. Thank you, Sean. 800-941-SEAN is our number. We'll continue. All right, 25 down to the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Althea is in the great state of South Carolina. Althea, how are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I appreciate all that you do, and uh, thank you for being a voice of reason. Um, I wanted to say, if I lied on my job like these lifelong Democrats and Biden does, I wouldn't have a job. Um, you know, I, I truly think it's time 
for some resignations. Uh, and, and I think our, our country needs to stand up and, and, and say, Biden, step down. You know, look, it's <laughs> the guy's not up to the job. How else Absolutely. can I say it? Now, this, these are the consequences when you when America, you know, gets all freaked out over mean tweets of Donald Trump. These are the consequences. You know, I, uh, Lincoln Project, I hope you're happy. John Bolton is now saying the Taliban can get nuclear weapons. Okay, John, you, you know, you were begging me to put in a good word for you as if I had any sway whatsoever. Anyway, you get hired. You told me personally that you, you supported Trump's foreign policy. You wouldn't have your own agenda. Are you happy? You know, you used to be one of the biggest hawks of all time. Okay, maybe you didn't like Donald Trump's style. Maybe he was too aggressive on Twitter. Okay, how do you like his policies versus these policies? Now the world can see what a weak, frail, cognitive mess, you know, what, what, what it means to the entire world and how we will all suffer as a country by having a weak president. This is a guy that is weak and radical. And this is a guy that has given in to the most radical wing of the Democratic Party, which now dominates the Democratic Party. This is not Joe Lieberman's party anymore. This is not Scoop Jackson's party anymore. This, we're talking about more money than FDR's New Deal and, and the great society of LBJ combined. We can't afford it. It's being money thrown down the tubes. I mean, if, if if you just go through the short list of, you know, supporting illegal immigrants, everything from the new Green Deal, everything from the Bernie Biden manifesto, now a mileage tax, people aren't paying a lot, you know, of, of attention to that. Then you look at now we have the, the highest cost for a barrel of oil in years and years. Natural gas prices are going through the roof. We have more natural resources than all of these countries combined, and we're artificially... You know, reducing the world supply, which automatically raises prices, which is an automatic tax on the American people. Then they have the gall to tell you, well, if you don't make $400,000 a year, you won't pay an extra penny. That is a lie, too. Corporations, when they raise their taxes, you're going to pay more by artificially reducing the supply of oil. It's a simple formula. Economics 101, supply and demand, crisscross. That will dictate the price. When you artificially reduce the supply, which is America energy independence, then the net result is higher prices. More to fill your car, more for trucks to put diesel in it. You'll pay more for heating and cooling your home, and you're going to pay more for every product and service that you buy. And this idea that's outrageous that corporations would pass the cost on to consumers, that's what Jen Psaki said. Jen Psaki doesn't have a clue about economics 101 and she's a paid propagandist i don't know i don't really feel too optimistic arkansas stephanie neck sean hannity show privilege it is to be on your show with you thanks for taking my call thank you um i wanted to talk to you about um you know i, I it drives me crazy to listen to joe biden every time i do my seems like my blood pressure goes up but i happen to catch him talking about the mounted patrol on the border and um kind of kind of accusing them and i mean um trying them in the court of public opinion before any investigation has started um the statement that he said that uh, they were strapping 
um, the Haitian people and that he promised that those people will pay. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, Sean, sometimes. It's crazy to think that your city that used to be the greatest city in the world, New York City used to be, and you could agree, used to be the greatest city in the world, has had mounted patrol since 1958. Yeah, by the way, I had friends of mine that were on the mounted patrol unit. Um, and, and, I had friends of mine, they would, they, I'd, I'd almost see them like on a weekly basis uh, when I actually did the show from New York City. I don't do the show from New York City anymore. Very rarely. I hate, by the way, you want to know why? I, I, I am a walking, you know, target in New York City. You think it's safe for me to be walking down the streets in New York like it was prior to, you know, where the country is now? I used to walk the streets of the city every single day. I won't, I won't hey. dare do it today. That's you, how sad New York has become. We're waiting for you to come south. We're waiting for you to call uh, the hospital. Trust me, with I'm us. coming. <laughs> I swear, I promise. You know, uh, it may be on my deathbed, but I'm coming. I promise I'm coming. It's ridiculous to think that these men put their lives on the line every day and that our president is saying they're going to pay. It is absolutely ridiculous. And doing the job that they do is, it, of course, we know the, the COVID rate um, there is ridiculous and they're, but they do it every day and they don't, they don't ask for fanfare. They don't ask for everything that's going on. But to say that our president, that they will pay makes me sick, makes me sick. Do you take responsibility for the chaos that's unfolding? Of course I take responsibility. I'm president, but it was horrible what to see, as you saw. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world. It sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. They will pay, but then they came out and lied again, and they said, oh, well, we weren't prejudging this. We were, that was not a rush to judgment. I'm like, okay, how stupid do you think we are? They just lie with abandon. Well, we don't need to COVID test them, because if we COVID test them, um, you know, they're only going to be here a short while anyway. Meanwhile, Mayorkas is now admitting that as high as 20% of illegal immigrants coming into the country have COVID. I'm like, great. I have friends at Del There's Rio. a super spreader for you. Yeah, I have Del, friends at Del Rio, and their lives are miserable now. You know, they can't do anything without, without you know, being overrun, and their city is, is being destroyed. And these are American citizens. And, and the, you know, what are we paying taxes for? I don't, I don't quite get any of this. It, it's like we're living in a different country now. It's, it's not the America that I remember. I don't remember an America that would abandon our fellow citizens. I don't remember America, an America where, you know, we're going to give a cradle-to-grave, womb-to-the-tomb socialist society because Americans knew inherently that capitalism, liberty, and freedom, and opportunity uh, proved to be the, the greatest wealth generator in the history of mankind. Uh, I don't remember an America where, you know, you have one party that is openly welcoming, you know, illegal immigrants to come into the country. There, you know, I went through the list of countries that sell citizenship. It's it's something of great value and great worth. I I, I I'm I'm pro immigration, legal immigration. Respect our laws, borders, sovereignty. Simple. 
I don't care where you come from. I don't care what continent you're from. I don't care what country you're from. Do it legally. We need a background check. We need a health check. And we need to know you can provide for yourself financially and not be a burden on the American people. Then once we do all that and you do go through the process legally, welcome to America. We're glad you're here. But not Thank until you, then. Sean. Thank you, Sean. I, you're a voice of reason in a crazy, yeah, so, but, crazy well, Why did time. Democrats want to sneak amnesty in the reconciliation bill? Because, exactly. you know, what what Cyprus would charge two and a half million dollars for, I, I can become a citizen of Cyprus. Did you know that? You can, too. You can become a city a citizen of Antigua. You can become a citizen of Belize and St. Kitts and Nevis and Australia and New Zealand. Some of these countries cost millions and millions of dollars to become citizens. You can pay for it. It's something of high value. America, we don't charge for citizenship. Maybe we should consider it. Apparently, these other countries are making a fortune. If you make an investment into this, this, and this, or if you're willing to build your business in their country, you, you, can, you can get citizenship. And America, we let people in for free. Okay, I'm just asking that people do it legally. You know, maybe we should get in the business of selling citizenship. It's working out for every other country. But then Democrats are offering amnesty. That, that becomes something of, okay, can you even put a quantifiable number on it? If it costs, you know... You know, millions of dollars to get into New Zealand, Australia, Cyprus, Turkey, and and these other countries. How much would a citizenship passport cost somebody from another country if they were going to pay for it because they want to be Americans? I bet we'd make a lot of money. These other countries are making a lot of money. Democrats then say, here, we're the good people. Don't go with those bad Republican people. They don't want you here. No, I don't care where you come from. Just do it legally. But they're going to offer it for free. Oh, what? What? They're not hoping that these that when they give somebody something of great value, that's that there's not going to be a quid and a pro and a quo like Joe is used to his whole life. So you know, there's no rational reason while in the middle of a pandemic you put burdens of COVID testing, vaccine mandates on the American people, and then you just lie and tell the American people well, they're not going to be here very long. When we know that all they're doing is requesting illegal immigrants show up in court, then they're not even mandating they show up in court. And then they're trying to sneak in amnesty provisions. Well, it sounds to me like they're basically offering people something of great value for free. And why would they do that? I don't know. I think everything's political in their minds. Sad. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? George in Texas. Hey, George. How you doing, Sean? Uh, I'm thanks good. How for are you? My call. Love your shows. First time I've ever called into a talk show, but I am a retired Houston. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm a retired Houston police sergeant, and uh, I had an opportunity to go to Afghanistan for two years wow. between 2009 and 2012. I actually wore the army uniform, went on missions with them, went outside the wire. Uh, our we were primarily tasked with the disruption of the ID networks, but we ended up doing a lot of corruption investigations on Afghan army generals, Afghan police chiefs, politicians, which was outside the, uh, the realm of our responsibility. But after just being in Afghanistan for a couple of months, uh, I realized that we were just wasting our time. The, the country was so corrupt, they never were going to stand a chance of standing on their own. And the lowliest army private 
in the army could tell you that the Afghan army was never going to be able to stand up to that Taliban, that as soon as we left, it would go right back the way it was before. And I'll give you an example. We went on a KLE, which is a key leader engagement, went in the little village, sat down with the villagers. The uh, the senior uh, guy there in the village, we were talking to him. He goes, hey, look, I think it's great what you're doing here. We like the water well that you built us. We like the generator. We like the food and the medicine and the little cell tower. And we really appreciate that. But when you're gone and you will leave, the Taliban are still going to be here. So they were hedging their bets. They knew there there was a way to do this, by the way. There, There really was a way to do it. And and the way to do it was the way Trump planned it. And that is it had to first be predicated on a real credible threat of obliteration. And and Trump, you know what? They believed Trump and they. They, they they knew he'd do it because he did it. He, he crushed the caliphate that Joe Biden and Barack Obama let build. You know, he crushed yeah. Soleimani and, and that took a lot of nerve to pull that sucker off. And I know the inside story of it because of my sources. And it's an amazing story. I hope it gets told one day. Um, I, I wasn't. I'm sorry, but I wasn't surprised that the Taliban took over. I was surprised. I was surprised at the speed that he did it at. No, I mean, all of this was predictable. I mean, we saw it unfolding months and months right before our eyes. There was no surprises here. There wasn't one surprise yeah, no, here. No surprises. No surprises. Yeah. All right, my friend, I got to let was, you roll. Uh, appreciate you checking in with us. George, thank you for your service as a policeman, and thank you for your service in uh, Afghanistan. We appreciate it. We never were going to change their way of life. However, we could have protected it enough that it wouldn't become the safe haven for the next plotting, planning, and scheming attack against America.